Welcome to the Border Collie Gig Podcast. I'm your host, Martina, obsessed like you about Border Collies and dog training. Follow me to know more about this amazing breed and to learn from many inspiring dog professionals on how to make your training journey a success. Hello, Border Collie Geeks, and welcome to a new episode. Um, so today's episode is going to be answering questions that my our members on the um, the Border Collie Geek, Geek free group on Facebook has asked me. Um, so I'm going to be trying to ask questions once a month so I can collect a few and then do a podcast episode answering your questions. Um, be aware that you know some question might not be as easy to answer um, and are going to be very general answers because I probably need more information in order to be able to give you um, an exact answer because you know a simple question sometimes has a lot of complicated nuances and background information that we need in order to create a proper answer but at the end of the day also until we know the dog a bit better or see the dog and either in person or in video it's really hard to figure it out really what's going on um sometimes so if that's the case um you know i'm going to specify that um before we start with answering these questions I would like to um, tell you a bit of news. So there's going to be hopefully a lot of news this year, but some are still work in progress and <clears throat> I'm going to be talking about them when it happens. But the first news is that my membership online academy has a name, a new name. I decided to give it, <clears throat> sorry about my voice. I decided to give it a bit more of a identity. So it's now called the Collie Club and it's still not completely... Um, you know, all the changes are not on the website yet. My web designer is still working on it this week, but they might be online by the time you listen to this next week. Um, but yeah, it's called the Collie Club. It's still the online academy, but you know, I just thought that you know, if if someone is asking you, oh, where have you learned those things <clears throat> on the Collie Club, <clears throat> and it gives more of an idea of um, you know what it is, and it, you know, it's a club, it's a community, it's a place where you learn everything about your border collies. So um, I have a new subscribe page, which has, um, I make the decision to take the monthly subscription away because I found that a lot of the time it happened very much that someone subscribed for a month and then they forgot about it. Then they came back to it and, you know, a few weeks later, they haven't done anything about it. You know, it's a bit overwhelming. They canceled the subscription and, you know, there's not any progression made for the dog, which is a shame. And any of my students, face-to-face, online um, membership students, really the minimum working with me where you're going to get enough training information, um, you know, tips, advices, is three months. Um, two weeks if you're working one-to-ones sometimes are enough to get somewhere but I you know by experience know that three months is the minimum so my minimum subscription now is for a three months um and I might go back to a monthly one in the future if this doesn't work I don't know but at the moment that's it and 
you'll see all the prices. I'm not going to tell you. It's it's going to be in the link. It's going to be in the show notes. You can have a look at it. And it's going to be three months, six months, and a year. Of course, if you if you go for the yearly one, you know you've got a year of commitment to work on your dog's behavior. And I think that knowing how my membership students have been progressed, and you know, if you if you want to hear by their experience, I'm going to be linking also the episode where I interviewed two of them. A year is really the time you need to make important behavioral changes um so it's the one that um has been worked for most um of my students anyway um you know once they hit the year they're like oh yeah they look back and they say this is you know this is now all working you know i couldn't think i could get here but i got here and i'm in a position now where you know i can enjoy my walks um my dog doesn't chase anymore um my dogs will recall whenever i ask and everything um so yeah have a look at it have a look at my colleague club uh Dual and academy and you know i'll be welcome to um join join and well I'll, I'll be you know we're happy to join um to welcome you <laughs> on on it um now let's go to question of course if you join the colleague club you will get to answer question to, to ask question to me and have them answered every single day um with once a week in zoom call where you can join as well and we can chat together about your questions. So you get, you know, direct access to me um, every day um, and every week we do. I get together on Zoom and I answer and I look at your videos and I, you know, I give you feedback on all the training you're doing. So you'll get this every week if you join my colleague club. Um, if you want to ask me a question once a month, um, if you have a question, you want to ask a question from me once a month, then join my Facebook group and I'll be doing this um, regularly from now on. So I am really sorry about how I'm going to be reading your names because some of them are difficult um, to pronounce. Um, so if I get them wrong, I'm really sorry. So the first question is from Chelsea Nikolichuk. I think. How do you keep and regain your dog focus in highly distracting environments and situations? Food rewards only go so far. And then we have some comments under um, with other people. Uh, I think Anna asking, you know, the same. Now, this is a question that we probably have answered it many times already a bit in other podcasts, in other episodes. So um, I will send you to listen back to the one where I talk about how to use food rewards um, in, a, in an effective way. So I'm not going to repeat that now. There is an episode all about it. Um, but mainly you need to up the energy that you put into your rewards. And yes, the value of the reward sometimes is impossible to hire it. So if you used any possible value of food that you've tried and it still doesn't work, it means that the delivery of the food is not good enough for your dog. So just giving your dog a treat especially with collies, doesn't work. Food needs to be a game. Food needs to be exciting. Food needs to be chasing. And again, I explain all this in that podcast. So um, go back and, and listen to it um, for, you know, a, a better answer about this. And then, of course, um, you know, energy, energy level. You know, I'm never, please, you know, please listen to me. I'm always going, yay, we can do this. It's a party. You know, it's it's something so exciting. I make my dog so excited about the reward I'm delivering and not just the reward I'm delivering, but the attitude I have towards my dog when we are training that a dog that lacks of focus needs tons of this. So I have three dogs 
as you probably know if you listen to my older podcast. And Moss is a dog that, for example, as a puppy, as a young dog, needed a lot of this. And I had to work hard on this, getting this motivation up just by putting my energy level up. And then there's a dog like Jock that doesn't need that. You know, just a tiny bit of excitement sends him completely nuts. So I can work Jock in a very calm attitude and still obtain the same amount of focus that I have from Moss and Tay, where I need to have, it need to be exciting. So yesterday, um, I wish I'd video this, but I didn't. Um, Tay is going through a difficult time because we have two girls in season and he's really struggling. So um, I can't train him at home, I can't train him in the garden, so he comes with me every day, wherever I go, and we do some training out and about in order to get some training in. Um, yesterday at the training field, and I was training in the yard, and um, he's very sniffing at the moment. He's sniffy everywhere, he wants to pee everywhere, so his attention is very low. And I started, I just trained with Jock, where I need to be very calm and, calm and you know, like, restrained. Um and I, you know, I went into jock mode into training Tay. And you know what I got? I got that five times when I tried to do some heel work with him is we'll, he will take a treat and then go for a sniff. And then I realized, oh, this is Tay, not jock. Um, so I upped my energy. I started going, come on, come on, you ready? Um, my voice became fun. I'm not doing it too loud because it's behind me now and you will go crazy otherwise. But I started moving around, you know, upping my energy level and suddenly he was there and we work for a good five, ten minutes on heel work, putting in some spins in it, putting in some chasing, putting in some toy play in order to make heel work exciting and get his focus back. Otherwise, he was sniffing on the floor, looking for smells and looking to pee everywhere. Okay, all this was off lead in a farmyard with sheep grazing everywhere around us and all sorts and the dogs barking in the garden of the of the farm. So it's, you know, and and it, it's about the energy. Of course, toys are an important motivator for me, probably the most important motivator. Um, and I talk about this a bit um, in the and I'll do probably a proper episode on this with someone that specializes in this um, in the future. But. Um, yeah, toy motivation is a high thing. So when food doesn't work, you have to get in with your toy motivation. But again, it's not something you can, it's not just giving the dog a toy and, and expecting your dog to find that motivating enough that will be focusing back on you. The work you put into your dog play motivation is as hard, if not harder than the one you put into food, because it needs to be done in a proper way which again is something I'm very passionate about and it's something I teach a lot to my online students, face-to-face -face students and my membership students on the Collie Club. Um, so yeah, Chelsea, this is the answer. You know, it's upping your energy level, making sure that the delivery of food is not boring for your dog, is actually exciting, making even food a game. Um, and then of course, reward focus, because I think that what we tend to do, and I had something like this yesterday with one of my new one-to-one um, -one students that started with me last week. Um, she looked like a dog that had no focus whatsoever. But you know what was happening? When she gave focus, she was never rewarded. And as soon as she started doing something naughty, then the owner would pay attention to her. So we got into a chain where the only way to get attention was to do something naughty. And that, I think, happens to 99% of dogs I see. They are paid attention only when they're naughty. And when they're not naughty and actually doing something we want them to do, we give it for granted. We don't reward it. So we started rewarding. And we've rewarded, I think, 50 to 100 times focus. And you know what? By the end of the session, the dog was walking to heel, looking up at the owner. A dog that would chase cars, birds, 
and bark and bite the long line and bite the lead and everything. You know, after rewarding consistently focus, we had a dog with focus and the owner was nearly in tears because she never thought that possible in a quick, short amount of time. So sometimes we tend not to look at our dogs when they are giving focus and we don't reward that enough. Um, I'm not saying, of course, that's exactly what you do, but that's what I see. Um, Sean Lawler, how do you stop her from being afraid of sudden loud noises? So um, this is a good question. And um, there's going to be an episode coming out um, with the clinical behaviorist. And we talk about fear and anxiety a bit. So you might find some answers there. We don't talk about noise sensitivity specifically. And again, it's a good topic that I might, you know, get a trainer in um, to focus specifically on that. Um, but um, the general idea is that, so that noise sensitivity is something that comes with a dog. It can be made worse by not helping the dog associating noises to something positive and allowing the dog to get more worried and worried and worried day after day for a specific noise to happen. So they can sensitize to noises and make the whole behavior much worse and difficult for them. Um, so the first thing I'll say is um, I'm following, I'm sorry, I'm going to invite someone because I'm following her work at the moment and I've learned definitely um you know something more about noise sensitivity but the main concept of noise sensitivity is you need to preempt when you can or create a positive event that is going to then happen at the same time as a certain noise happening so that the dog at the moment sees that noise they don't know what it is they are anxious about it the, if, you know if it's a very loud noise it might even hurt uh, their ears because we don't know really how sensitive a dog ears are and we know they are more sensitive than ours and we know the border collies have a very sensitive earring because they need to be able to hear at distance um when they are given cues to you know um drive or or fetch some sheep so we know that they are very sensitive and i do believe that some dogs as well as some humans they really suffer from loud noises it's it's physical as well as mental so I think, you know, in that situation, it's it's a lot of management in a way that if I know that my dog is afraid of bangs, then, and I know that it's firework and I know that it's um, shooting season, I would put my dog in a situation to be safe from sounds. And that is to me by having the dog in a small room with a lot of music, keeping them as safe as possible. We have a noise sensitive dog and we have shooting going on behind us because we live in the countryside. And when that's happening, our dog that is noise sensitive is in the office with a windows closed, with a, with a um, curtains closed and the music on. Rock music, very loud music. And she's fine with that, of course, because she's used to it. Mm, we wouldn't put it as loud as to be, you know, painful, but loud enough to cover the outside uh, noises. Now, the sudden loud noises, the one that you can't really control, is about going into a party, play, or food, or feeding party just after the noise has happened in a way that you can then, um, you know, try to change the emotional response to the dog. If you hear this loud noise, instead of going and hiding, shaking, barking, uh, we are going to have something fun going on 
um, so that the next time or the next, you know, once you've done it regularly, the next time the dog hears that sound, they don't associate you with all the bad energies that are happening after, but they start associating you with the positive event that it's happening, that you are making happen. Now, noise sensitivity sometimes, noise phobia, when we're talking about phobia, needs medication. And that's something you will have to discuss with your vet and your vet behaviorist, um, because some type of noise sensitivity is too generalized and it's really hard for the dogs to cope with life if they are constantly triggered by noise. Um, I would really suggest Sean to contact a vet behaviorist anyway um, to have a plan because it's something that will get worse. It won't get better unless your dog starts getting um, deaf. And, you know, when they get old enough that they get deaf, then that gets better. But there's a long way to go. Okay, Kate the Jewel. Why do you like chewing on me when you have 4,000 toys to do that with? Okay, so Kate. <laughs> um, chewing is related to a lot of possible reasons. One of them is health issues. So a dog that has stomach issues, intestinal issues, it doesn't mean that it's got constant diarrhea. There are chronic issues that have flare-ups or have constant, you know, have a constant um, subtle pain which cause dogs to mouth a lot. So I would make sure first, before we even think about dealing with the behavior, to do a full check with a vet. Um, is your dog pooing regularly fine or is the poo going soft around throughout the day? Is your dog having recurring diarrhea? Um, is your dog not foody, does not like food enough? I would consider all possible gastrointestinal issue, including, of course, um, parasites, I, um, IBS, or um, simply gastric um, you know, issues like you know, gastric acid reflux and all sorts. Um, so your dog might just have a sensitive stomach and have constant cramps, for example, and that's why the, chew the chewing um, might be happening. Um, now, if the chewing is happening on you, it could also be because of asking for attention, um, trying to get your attention. It does work normally, doesn't it? If the dog is chewing on you, you tend to pay attention to them. So again, as I answered the question before, it might also be that that's the way that your dog find that is getting your attention. Um, now, of course, you know, I would need to ask you so many more questions to understand exactly where this is coming from. It could be stress related. It could be a relationship issue. Um, it could be that it needs more exercise and mental stimulation. There's just all sorts of um, questions. Um, sorry, answers. Um, so it's just need to understand exactly, you know, which one is causing the chewing and try to work for that. Um, Dolores Palmer, when Gypsy had time off her line in public places, she would hunt in on nice, non-confrontational dogs. Even, sorry, it, it, it's not me that can't read, isn't spelled wrong, so I'm not understand, um, I don't understand exactly. So I'll, I'll keep reading and then see if I can figure it out. Non-confrontational dogs, even though normally frightened of other dogs, she would focus in on them, be really close and follow them. The other dog would 
look really intimidated was still bullying or herding or a bit of both in public places she's never off a line or lead now only when in a secure rented out field so um again i would have to know more about your dog but it's a general in a general thing it sounds like i have a few students that have this issue and after assessment with this student which is not probably you know that it doesn't have to be that it's the same with your dog it's definitely a bit of um lack of confidence towards initial interaction with the other dog and when a collie lacks of confidence they will use whatever it's easy for them to use and the stalking and controlling is definitely their thing um it could also be simply need to control and you know another one that i knew um that i worked with it was mainly she gave herself a job and controlling other dogs was a job for her so she gave herself the job to control other dogs movement exactly like she would do if it was sheep now while other colleagues might understand this behavior and it becomes sometimes also a game uh, a lot of dogs won't and they will definitely see that behavior as a threat because staring intensively and trying to control movement is definitely seen as a confrontational behavior so whether it's coming from a fear point of view or it's coming from a controlling point of view it's definitely intimidating so it's something that i would work hard how do you work on this simply by having a good recall and telling your dog that that's not allowed you know we can tell our dogs that's not allowed come back but you need to have a good recall. If you don't have a good recall and the dog doesn't, the dog values the stalking, chasing and staring behavior more, then your recall is not going to work. So it's all coming under relationship, focus, valuing your resource in your rewards and ultimately training a good recall. So, you know, I my dogs are not perfect. They will go and challenge other dogs. Jock will go up to another male and will challenge it without biting or anything or attacking but he will definitely challenge it. Tay will bother every dog we meet because he's a two-year-old big puppy. So they are off lead because I know I can call them back. I know I can ask them to lay down and let the other dogs go past. I know I can move out of the way without even having to put them on a lead because if I ask them to lay down and wait, they will wait for the other dog to go past. So ultimately, dogs cannot be perfectly behaved, but we can have a good recall and we can help them managing the environment what's happening around them by having you know good training basis mainly um so helen taylor funny you say this but skylar has two collies or one is across has two collies one across they do exactly the same to her they don't go near her and keep a distance but focus always on her even when others are around which they don't bother with luckily they are on dogs i walk okay um yeah Skylar is a Labrador um so Maria Taz Tazin um Tassin how do I change my dog's reactive behavior towards particular dogs it seems to be routine now that he reacts by lunging and barking at the same dogs when we meet them so you change it exactly as you would change it to reactivity to general dogs there is no difference on the training plan whether you, it's every dog they meet or one or two, you have to counter condition behaviors on meeting dogs in general. So your dog 
they might not be reacting to the other dogs, but they might still stare at them. They might still be aware of them. They might still be taking, keeping an eye on them. And then they react only on the ones that they think could be a danger. So the way you work on it is the same way I would work on any dog reactive dog, which is counter conditioning, pattern games and all that. If you listen to my old podcast, you will find all information of how I work. Um, like this but yeah definitely you know it just needs a, a working on reactivity as a general thing um so you know we we try sometimes to you know my dog is doing this only in this specific situation but you're missing some signs about your dog also showing certain attitude towards other dogs and that attitude is where you start working on before you even work on the one that they react to. You introduce your training on the dogs that they don't react to. Because with dogs, we can't just train them when there is a problem. We have to generalize the training as much as we can in order for the training to be effective when we are in front of the proper trigger. Um, yeah, so it's it's a general work and not just on those few dogs that they react to. Um, Kaitlin Brenner. When my dog is excited, it doesn't follow commands as well. Like for a ball, he lays down when I ask for a sit. However, usually it does fine distinguishing these two commands in other settings. How do I retrain this? He used to do it, but he has but has always struggled with anticipation and excitement within play. So um yes, that's very normal. Working in arousal is one of the difficult things about training um when you train for competitive obedience and agility you have to work this a lot when the dogs are focusing or excited about something the expectation of something they sometimes switch off their listening um their ears are switched off and they just do whatever in order to get the reward especially when they're anticipating that reward and Kathleen, it's a very hard one to explain on a podcast because it needs it needs really showing how to how to work on it but to me the things are you know um um i would make sure that before even introducing the ball i would work on excitement excitement getting yourself excited before you ask a behavior without even getting the ball out so i don't start let's say that if i want my dogs to stay when i throw a ball I don't start my dog. I don't ask my dog to stay when I throw a ball. I ask my dog to stay when I walk away. And then I ask my dog to stay when I jog away. And then I ask my dog to stay when I walk around them. And then I might ask them to stay when the ball comes out, but it's still. And then I ask them to stay when the ball maybe just moves a tiny bit. And then I might ask to stay or lie down. So I do introduce difficulties very gradually so going from without the ball they can do it with the ball they can't do it it means that you're missing a lot of in-betweens um, which could be asking a behavior when they want to go out from the back door if they're excited making sure that they do them in that situation asking a behavior when you are running around can they do that when you're running around can they do it when you're clapping your hands can they do it when you're i don't know singing or or you know i don't know tapping something, play with something else that is not a toy. So if your toy is the most difficult part where the dog won't be able to listen to cues because of the toy, then try to think about what can you add to that training um, to teach that, you know, even under arousal, even when there is a distraction, even when there's something exciting going on, they can still perform the behavior you're asking and your ball will be your last one. Yeah, and that, for example, is, is impulse control and teaching the dog to work in arousal 
if a dog is chasing something, I don't work on that something that they're chasing. I don't work on a squirrel straight away. I work on a toy. I work on myself moving around. I work on other things before I start asking them not to chase a squirrel, if it makes sense. And then you're asking a bonus question. How to curb leash behavior like pulling aggression towards certain people in hats are the characteristics that make him nervous and behaviors towards other dogs? Again, another huge question, which you will find a lot of answers in my podcast already. We talk about this a lot. Um, I personally follow a program as a trainer. I'm a control unleashed um, instructor. And my so all my programs are around the control unleashed um, stuff from Leslie McDevitt. I took this you know, I have another instructor as guest in my podcast as well. We talk about this quite a bit. Um, I have, again, a podcast coming on with a behaviorist where we talk about fear and um, anxiety. Um, but it's not about curbing. I know what you mean, curbing leash behaviors. is about building a different emotional response in your dog brain. So the emotion response that he has at the moment are coming probably from fear or anxiety and is about working to change that emotional response and place a more positive response. While we work on a more positive emotion and response, then the dog is going to start also showing an alternative behavior because they're feeling better about it. So we also teach them. So Control and Leash program teaches the dogs exactly with through pattern games and through um, counter conditioning games, play as well. I use a lot of play as well to change that emotional response. And again, that's the main big, you know, chunk of work we do on the Collie Club Academy. Um, so you're welcome to send me an email, a message to learn more about it, but it's going to be linked under here anyway. Um, again, it's not something I can really answer to you on, you know, in, in details because. It takes, you know, my minimum work is eight weeks on a one-to-one to start working on reactivity. But it normally takes more than that. So there's a lot of small details to work on. Um, okay, next one. Beth Hannett Shearer. How can I get my four-year-old to stop displaying protective behaviors, which may lead to barking and small nips? Um, so Beth, I'm not really sure what you mean here. Do you mean it towards you? Do you mean it against you? Against someone else that is trying to so if it's it's not clear what you mean. Do you mean um towards food, toys, your other dogs, people that approach you, or towards you? And again, yeah, they all they all have a different answer, sort of. Um we need to understand where it's coming from. Is he resource guarding? Um, is he resource is, is he guarding specific things or is it because of fear? Is it because of pain? There's a lot of reason why this behavior might be happening, and it's not something that is easy to answer like this because without asking you, if we've done a full vet check, is the dog has you know what's the dog history? Um, does he guard food, toys, space? There is management to put in place there in order to avoid the dog finding it in situation where they can guard those resources is he guarding you towards people that approach you again not clear um but again that needs some more work to do um in the control unleash we do have both 
a voluntary sharing and voluntary approach where the dog is in charge to tell you that he's ready for you to share food or toys with another dog or a person or is you know ready for for the person to approach um again it's a complicated type of um, protocol which needs to be trained and it takes quite a long time to to train so it's yeah if if you need more help with that uh, get in touch because it's it's complicated to explain um Gillian Kenworthy um how do you manage when your dog has heard loud bangs when on a walk and is anxious during your normal walk or even drop the ball to play do you carry on doing your usual routine and being very positive rewarding and hope it gets better or do you find a new route for a bit so they can settle down again yes so I answered a bit late or earlier <coughs> I would definitely question my you know question my dog's health and emotional state um if if it if if the noise sensitivity is impacting your dog life, you need to do something about it. And I would go and see a vet behaviorist for it. Um, because if your dog cannot go for walks because your usual walk has become poisoned by a bang, by a loud noise, um, living with stress and living with anxiety is not a nice thing. And your dog is living with stress and anxiety every time you go for a walk. If changing your routine and go to another walk helps, do it, of course. Um, you ultimately... For example, what, what I do uh, is making sure that I create a positive event when a loud bang happens so I can change the emotional state, the emotional state of my dog. And we do that with one of our one of our six dogs. If she hears a bang while we are on walks, we try not to take her out when we know there is a shooting. But if we are out and a bang happens because something drops, we have um a salt line close by and everything, so there are loud bangs sometimes getting the ball out and play help us getting through it because her toy motivation is so high that will help her so we always have a ball and if a loud bang happens the ball comes out we play until she looks that she's fine and she can carry on of course if you are on a walk and there's consecutive um bangs then i would go back home because it's not good for the dog to be out while that's happening um Charis Robinson, what do you, what to do with fear period that can start between nine to fourteen months? Been happy go, lucky, but some does set off a fear aggressive response. Fine with ninety nine point nine percent of dogs. So, fear period is around nine, nine months, eight nine months. It normally lasts a week. It shouldn't last more than that. What could be happening is adolescent, and during adolescent, the dog's brain like the human brain, like the animal's in general brain, is going through a lot of changes, which can cause a long period of reactivity, um, lack of impulse control, uh, recklessness, um, uh, low tolerance level and all sorts. So dogs that might not have been reactive before start showing reactivity behaviours, and I would work through that exactly as I would work with any reactivity by considering your dog like a reactive dog and try to change the emotional response to any dogs you're, go you're passing by. Um, adolescents can last from, you know, eight to nine months up to two years old, even longer for some dogs. And you start seeing a change when the dog starts settling more in those behaviours past the two-year-old. Um, so... It's, it's about knowing how to ride that period. And I would expose the dog to situations where 
that my directivity might occur as much as possible when you can and train in situation where your dog is able to train um, to allow the brain to catch up with the rest because it's 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 quite physiological and there's not much you can do apart from knowing how to take care of it knowing how to manage it knowing how to do what what training to do in order to then come out on the other side with a dog that doesn't has not been overwhelmed by the world to the point that you know it's not going to be able to recover so it's about knowing exactly what to do what not to do how to manage it and how to train it but i would you know i would look into reactivity training in general which you know i do and i help my students with so you're welcome to get in touch but if you want to see a local um, behaviorist um you know get in touch with a local behaviorist if you want to see you, you need to do something about it now um, and work towards reactivity in general um, Tamar Gillen, how can I control the excessive barking? Every noise, every movement is lightly neurotic and driving me nuts. I think I've answered Tamar. Um, there is an episode about barking in general, but also I've answered you, I think, with loud noises to the rest, the other two questions. Very similar response, so I'm not going to repeat myself. You need to assess how good his life is, and if, you know, if very difficult, then you need to see a behaviorist or a vet behaviorist. It depends how generalized it is. If it's too generalized, desensitizing might not be enough at this stage. But again, without knowing your dog more or knowing more about this, I can't really suggest. Okay, I have one more question and someone asked today and I said I was going to answer it. Um, and then I have a question that is going to be next week um, episode because I think it takes you know a bit longer to explain. And I like to make it as an episode because it's a nice one. Um, so how do I stop my younger border collie fixating and stalking on my second border collie? So, of course, as I, you know, as I said to Jennifer, um, Jennifer Helen in the post, I would need more to ask you more question, which is how and when does it do it? Stalking and fixating is causing an issue between the dog or to you. And how do you manage your dogs during the day exercise and training wise? So personally, I don't manage my young dogs with my older dogs too much to avoid exactly this to happen. So I do spend a lot of time when I have a young dog on a walk on their own, practicing focus, recall, play, attention to me, blah, blah, blah. Because it's very normal for collies to get fixating about the other collies in the family or the other dogs in the family in general and to become obsessed by them. Because the other collies move and that becomes their job. That's the way they keep themselves entertained. So... My big, big, big suggestion would be to handle them separate for now on and work on your dog recall, attention, behavior, etc. While that is happening, unless you have a good recall, unless you can take, tell your dog to stop doing it, unless you can get your dog distracted to do something else, there's nothing that will stop that from happening. So the only way you can do it is to stop working them together for now and work on your young dog so that they can recall to you and they can you know, lie down when you ask them to and they can, you know, I have a cue that means stop doing that and just go and do something else, go for a sniff and I will throw food away and, and so and all sorts. If that's not causing any issues, then I tell you that my dog's favorite play is to target one and the other two are herding. So normally there's one that is the target and the sheep and the other one I'm herding. And that's the way multiple colleagues household exercise but I allow them to do it 
only after I know I have individual recalls from all of them. So if I need to stop that, if I need to get on with the walk, if I need to call one, I know I can do it. I'm not fixating to the point I can recall my dogs. But if you, even if you go on a farm and you look for a bunch of collies having fun together, you will find that that's their favourite job anyway. They will target one and that will become the sheep and then the other will just stalk and, and run around it. So it depends really at the end how that is influencing your other dog, your good recall, your control of your young dog and all sorts. So, yeah. We can't have everything. We pick our own battles. The more collies I have, the more they are collies on, on a walk. And people that don't have collies, they look at my collies and they laugh because they are constantly working each other. <laughs> or if, if I give a boil to a toy to one, definitely the other two are working, the one that have a toy. Um, and that's the way they work. That's the way they do. That's the way their brain is developed to be. As long as I know that the moment I call them, I can get them out of that. That's the big, big um, answer. I hope this has been useful and I hope you appreciate that some questions are really hard to answer, but I've tried my best um, without knowing more about your dogs and without working together for a long time. There's not a real answer. Um, but yeah, um, I'll be doing this once a month. So if you're not in my group yet or if you are and you have more questions, then once a month I will make a topic and I will only <laughs> answer to the questions that are going to be under that post. So try to keep an eye on it. Um, because otherwise you'll miss out. Have a nice day and talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Border Collie Geek podcast. If you want to know more about my work and how I can help you with your Border Collie, visit www.datoldoacademy.com or follow me on Facebook and Instagram.